The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. If Dave Richard and I get into a pizza eating contest, then there would be a surprise winner, an upset victory. If Keith Cummings and I compete in a 40-yard dash, there would be an upset victory. Just going to throw that out there. I would win. Wait, you would be an upset if I beat you in a pizza eating contest? Uh, No. I would, be the, I would be the other dog. Yeah. You were like a decade younger than me and 30 pounds lighter than me. And you think uh, that I would be favored in a 40 yard dash? You're you? like six inches taller than I am. And everybody would pick you to beat me. Everybody. <laughs> well, I would, but I, I just. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just talking a little smack here. If blank happens, then blank. That's today's show. If this guy gets injured, then this guy's going to be awesome. You know, we'll, we'll see. I don't really know what, what uh, the guys have in store. I actually chose to ignore what you sent in. I want to be surprised when I hear what uh, what you come up with with today's show. I want some spontaneity. Uh, we have Heath with an Azer stat. This is going to be fun. Uh, about the Lions. And we've got a lot of your, your fill-in-the-blanks for If Blank Happens, Then Blank on Twitter and on Facebook. And Ben Schrager is back. Welcome back, man. How was your week off, sir? What's up? It was great. I missed all of you guys, except Adam. But yeah, it was a great week off. You know, you haven't been here long enough to. Uh, I guess you have. It's been a year, right? Yeah, it's been long enough. All right, you can you can you can rib on me then. That's fine. Um, you already drafted. You did your home league. Home league sixteen teamer. It was interesting. How'd it go? I kept Michael Thomas, so that was great. But I had to take Odell at the end of the first round because wide receivers were that bare, and it wasn't pretty. Oh, okay. So Thomas yeah. and Beckham, who are your running backs? Thomas Beckham, Chris Carson, and Mark Ingram. Ingram is just for the trade block. I'm going to get rid of him. And then Keyshawn Vaughn and Marlon Mack for the flex. All right. 16 remember, teams. 16 teams, yeah, right? Not bad. 16 team league. Had to take Drew Brees at quarterback oh, as the 12th quarterback. But I hate I it when I have to pick a guy who's like a top 10 quarterback every year <laughs> to be my starter. Oh, the Hated horror it. of it all. All right. But yeah, the, the real question is, I'm the commissioner. We got to decide when is the date that you're not going to be willing to count the results as real? Is it the week of the playoffs, week 14? If the season only goes eight weeks, do you refund the money? What do you guys think? I think if the season goes halfway, it counts. 
in what way? Like th- whoever has the most wins gets right. It's determined by however you do your playoff seedings. So if your playoff seedings are by points scored, whoever scores the most points when the season's called is your champion. Or if it's by win loss record first and then points as the tiebreaker, then you do it that way. Jamie, what do you think? Um, I had three basketball leagues, fancy basketball leagues I played, and two of them I run. Um, one of them is uh, bonuses throughout the season. And so they made it to the start of the playoffs. Both of the, All three of the basketball leagues made it to the start of the playoffs. One, playoffs were just starting uh, when the season was put on hold. Um, I just told everybody we're just going to stop because of the eight games left that they were going to play or you know still to play. Um, it just made sense just to give everybody their money back. The one with the bonuses, there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, I just did the same thing. You know, just don't count it as the season being played. Uh, the third one, I'm not the commissioner, and the commissioner decided since the teams had made it to the playoffs just to pay the teams that made it to the playoffs uh, and split the pot evenly with, you know, tiering it uh, based on first place down to sixth place. So I thought that was probably the the most fair way to do it. The one that made the playoffs without the bonuses, it was such a small buy-in um, that I just told everybody, let's just keep your money and, and not really make it you know, a headache of having to try to figure it out. The bonuses one was just, it was just too crazy to try to figure out for the teams that weren't in the playoffs. Are they going to pay? You know, it, it just, it was, it was too much of a hassle. Whatever you do, you need to be very, very clear at the beginning of the year. Come prepared for every scenario. I'm the commissioner of a baseball league and I just set it up. I said, if the season's canceled before the end of the sixth, sixth scoring period, no money will be paid. If it's canceled at or at the end, excuse me, at or after the end of the sixth scoring period, but before the fantasy playoffs conclude, the top four teams will split the money evenly, and there's more and more. But have all of these scenarios in your mind um, so that there's no confusion, I guess. Uh, and there you go. I would even, uh, yeah, just just be very specific and lay it out so there's no, no confusion during this season. And maybe this is probably a good year to not have people pay until payouts are, are due, like, you know, like a Jamie league, I guess, typically. Right. Um, <laughs> or in Jamie's case, a normal year. <laughs> All right, guys. Heath, I graded your Razor stat last night. I gave it an A+. Go ahead. Hey, I appreciate that. No, I was just thinking, because we talk a lot. We've had the Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones argument a lot, and I think it's mostly just it's framed in a bad way. Everyone agrees that Kenny Galladay is the number one. It's just I think they're very, very close. If you look at Matthew Stafford, Kenny Galladay, and Marvin Jones in the 28 games they've played together over the past three seasons, um, 16-game pace, Stafford's at 4,400 yards, 38 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Probably the biggest takeaway from this whole thing is that when Stafford has played with both Galladay and Jones, he's been like a top-five fantasy quarterback. Um Galladay, 58 catches, 981 yards, eight touchdowns on 98 targets. Marvin Jones, 63, 969, and 10 on 100 targets. Right, but that, that is not the stat I gave an A-plus to. You had, you had to eliminate <laughs> Kenny Galladay's rookie year, if and then you, you get an A-plus. Now, to make it an even better Azure stat, you <laughs> right. take away Kenny Galladay's rookie year because rookie production doesn't count. They've played 17 games together over the past two years. Marvin Jones has three more catches. Kenny Galladay has 190 more yards, and they have the same number of touchdowns. Um, Galladay has 13 more targets, and Stafford's at 4,600 yards and 33 touchdowns. Damn, that's a lot of – that's very good. Yeah, Stafford is the 
is a good takeaway there. That was eye opening stuff. Yeah, he's if, if he's himself, he's going to be a great value late on draft day. And he's but, not the only one that we're going to talk about today as far as quarterbacks go. Here's my problem with Galladay versus Marvin Jones, because at the end of the year, their stats always look good. I feel like Galladay is more consistent and Jones will have like one or two weeks where he's up against the Vikings and we think he's going to be terrible. And then he goes off for four touchdowns in those games. And outside of that, like if you're looking for 10 PPR points, I think he's fine. But if you're if you're looking to get 15 plus like you would with Galladay, he's not going to get you there very often. Yeah, I just think like there probably shouldn't be seven rounds separating them. I don't think there are seven rounds separating them. Is that what the ADP says? I guess Galladay's a round three pick. Jones is probably like round eight. Yeah, so there might be five. Five rounds might be too many. Jones is in PPR. I think Jones is a very good bench receiver where you're not going to ticked off having to start him you're gonna probably pick the wrong weeks to play him i think that's what dave was alluding to about you know sure. setting him during the vikings week i think he's but even great. even if it's the wrong week at least it's 10 ppr points if you expect 10 ppr points which you can expect from 50 different receivers like at least you've got that it's a safe floor sure. for the uh the concern would be he's 30 now you know as last year a sign of a you know maybe the start of a breakdown coming for him um my my concern with Jones, it's it's small, but you know it's something to take into account. Is if Hawkinson is better, does it take away from both of them, or does it take away from one of them? And I think it'll take away from both of them a little bit if he's you know a good sophomore tight end like we see from some of these top tier talents when they come into the NFL. You know their second year is when they start to take off. He's still dealing with an injury, Hawkinson, but um, you know is he gonna is he gonna take touchdowns away from both of these guys? And so after what Galladay showed us last year, leading the NFL in touchdown receptions, and, you know, Jones certainly is sort of, I, I think, touchdown dependent to a certain extent um, to help his his fantasy value, uh, like Galladay. But um, the value for Jones is just is just amazing. You know, that's the thing I think you want to look at with him, is if you're getting him as your third receiver. Uh, I wish Ben Schrager was, uh, Ben Gretsch was on, because what he said a few weeks ago, that he would never draft him because he would never start. Marvin Jones, like that was a little crazy. Well, do you want to guess what Marvin Jones's star percentage was when he had four touchdowns? Probably very small because it was the Vikings, like they said. 25%. I swear to God, I was about to say 25%. 25%. I to God. I got asked this question over the weekend because uh, I think it was the NFL's Twitter site uh, re- tweeted out the Will Fuller game last year. And I just re- retweeted it and said, stay healthy. Touchdowns or the one where he caught touchdowns? I'm sorry. The, three, the, one the one where he, where he dropped, dropped all those touchdowns, or the one where he caught all those touchdowns. The one where he scored 54 fantasy points. Yeah. Okay. Um. And how many people started him that week? And I'm gonna guess it's probably around the same thing. I think it was in the 40s, if I recall. But I will check that right now. And this is why the ultimate Azer stat is going to be started fantasy points, which I'm going to start compiling this year, assuming I can do it, and it doesn't take that much work. <laughs> uh. But yeah, that that I believe. Under four weeks. I believe, uh, no, I mean, it should be fairly easy if I can get someone to export the data for me, but, um, (laughs) you know, I I can't do that. If someone does the work for him, he can get the job done. I can't say, there's no way I can look at the start percentage of every player. That's just, I I can't do that. But I think Marvin Jones would probably rank pretty low on a list like that. That's that's what I'm going to try to find out. Um, And I'll look up Will Fuller. Okay, uh, give me a minute on that. Let's go to, let's promote a few things here. Oh, poker night. Oh, great. Jeez. Boy, you know what I did? I, I mean, I got. I need to redeem myself. I folded a straight flush last night. The best hand I've ever de- had, and I folded. 
Uh, it was bad. What are you talking about? <laughs> I did played... you fold a straight flush or no, did you I, get unlucky? I folded what ended up being a straight flush. I played last <laughs> night on Faded Spade uh, with some friends and I got dealt four or five diamonds. The flop came out. It was like a 10 and a six maybe and then an ace of diamonds. So I have an outside chance of a flush, an outside chance of a... No, it couldn't have been a six. But I had an outside chance, whatever. Somebody raised. I was like, no, I'm out. Next two cards, two of diamonds, three of diamonds. I would have had a straight flush, and I folded. Oops. Um, but tomorrow, I get to redeem myself Tuesday night. Join us on fa- on Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today. We'll be playing on Faded Spade Card Club, a new social poker platform offering free play and custom games. We're at twitch.com slash FF today. We always have fun. It's a great time. Tuesday night, poker night. Relax with us. Ask us some fantasy questions and just hang out. And we're doing a live mock draft on Wednesday's episode. So we haven't done one of those in a while. We're going to draft while we podcast. You're going to hear that on Wednesday. That's going to be great. We need your help with podcastawards.com. Please um, check out the link in the episode description. You got 10 days left to nominate us. We need to get nominated there. We want to win the sports category or people's choice. But I think it's podcastawards slash app slash sign up. Is that right, Shraggy? Yep. Okay. Podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. You need the dot com in there. But the link is in the episode description and and help us out. Some news and notes. Um, so it's just some COVID stuff. Players with COVID, we, we thought that they might have to miss a, a minimum of three weeks. That is not the case if they test positive. I think it's still to be determined, but it's not a minimum of three weeks as of right now. Adam, I think it's going to be case by case basis. Yeah. Where if you if you test negative enough after one week for some reason maybe you get some really good treatment then you can go back and play i believe the three weeks thing was the maximum they have to be returned to the active roster within three weeks okay um russell gage expected to secure the number three receiver role for the falcons that's according to their team website that's cool is he uh just like a 14 team and deeper kind of player russell gage yep i took him in the fishbowl with like Me a too, round Dave. 15 pick. All right. Hey. Team Russell Gage. Yeah, all right. And Dallas defensive end Demarcus Lawrence is considering not reporting to camp. He has a pregnant wife. We're going to see a lot of this. We're dealing with it in baseball. Um, didn't turn out to be so bad in baseball, but you know, there are going to be some players that just don't play and we have to deal with it. Makes sense to wait, delay your draft as much as you can, I think. Um, and we'll just keep monitoring, keep following the news. Here we go. I asked you for two. If blank happens, then blank. Heath, give me your first. If Cam Newton plays 16 games, then he will be a top five fantasy quarterback. Reactions? I moved him up uh, to 13th in my rankings. I think there's uh, a lot of, you know, when you get to these number two quarterbacks, you're looking for the guy that has the most upside, and I think he has the most upside. I don't know if he can still do it. I really don't. I, there's no question that I, I'm not worried about the Patriots trying to force him to do what Tom Brady did. I'm positive that they will come up with ways to use Cam Newton that are favorable for Cam Newton. He just hasn't done it since 2017. And that's not true. What do you mean? In that's 28 not? in 2018, week 15, when he got hurt, mm-hmm. he was the number six quarterback. In okay. CBS Fantasy Leagues. But he was in the top five. 68% of his passes and had run for 488 yards already. He was a a very good, great starting quarterback at that point. I think points per game he was right there too, right? Yeah, I don't don't know. I just know he was number six when he got hurt. 
Well, well you said top five, him, Heath. So if you rank him thirteenth or higher than that in our in our drafts, you're going to get him ahead of me. I don't mind getting him with a late pick as a second quarterback, but he's not going to be my first choice for um, one of those number two quarterbacks. Yeah, I would draft him over Aaron Rodgers at this point. Ooh, ooh. You know, it's funny. I could see that, but it's 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 guys like Daniel Jones, especially Daniel Jones. Like I feel like his upside is crazy. I would. I, I don't want to miss on that. I'd I'd rather get Jones than Cam. Right, and that's I, what I don't know is why would like if we're just talking upside, we're not talking about like the risk of Cam being hurt or missing time, or the risk of Cam just not sure. being able to figure out the New England thing. But if we're only talking upside, why would we think that Daniel Jones has more upside than Cam Newton? Because I that's think, exactly well, the move that I made, Heath. I had Daniel Jones thirteenth, and I I flipped flip flopped him with Newton because I think if Newton hits, he's going to be better than Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones hits, if 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 they both hit. I'm still going to take Jones because I think he's younger. I think that his he'll be he won't run for as many yards, but he'll throw for more yards than Cam. Better receiving core around him. I'm I'm taking I'm going with the youth here. I'm going to take Jones. All right. So Jamie, give me your first. If blank happens, then blank. Uh, it's funny because I was going back and forth between uh, Cam and, and uh, Terod Taylor on this, but if uh, if Taylor starts 13 or more games, he'll be a top 10 quarterback. Is that more of a bold prediction or you believe that? No, I believe it. I think if he starts 13 or more games, so he'll, he'll run for enough production. He'll throw for enough. It's, it's the rushing. It's, it's why Daniel Jones, it's why Cam Newton, it's why Taylor, it's why these guys that if you're going to take shots on number two quarterbacks, you're doing it for that. Or you're doing it with uh, somebody like Roethlisberger who has a chance to throw for 4,500 yards or more and, you know, 30 touchdowns. Those are the guys that you look for. So I do think if Taylor is the starter for the majority of the season, uh, if you took him in the fishbowl, if you took him in a super flex league, if you took him in a two quarterback league, you're going to be thrilled to have that type of player on your roster because of what they do. The added bonus. He's got two years on his career, on his resume of over 500 rushing yards already and over four touchdowns. You know, so if he's going to get to that type of production with, you know, 3000 passing yards and, and 20 plus touchdowns, you know, with this offense, I think he'll be good. So. Um, again, he's behind these other guys that we've just talked about, Cam and Daniel Jones. And again, I'll throw in Roethlisberger. He should be behind Rodgers too. But if you were to say, right, if, uh, if Anthony Lynn came out before training camp and said, we're sitting Justin Herbert, barring an emergency to make sure he's ready for 2021, Taylor will be ahead of Aaron Rodgers for me in my rankings. Oh gosh, man. But he's ne- like, he's never been top 10 on a per game basis. He's never had this much talent around him. I guess, but you know, the other thing is we have a lot more running quarterbacks than we did in 2015. At least I, I that's my perception. But not that. when you get to the number two guys, though. Like, Minshew's there, too? Right, but you're making him top 10. You're not even making him a number two. Oh, I'm not going to draft him top 10. Yeah. But I think he'll finish top 10. Okay, I mean, he he was basically 13th in 2015 per game. Yeah, that's, that's probably that was in the best. range I would have him. I'd have him in the same spots like I have where Minshew and, um, and Cam and, and, and Daniel Jones are. All right. Uh, any any follow up guys to that? Tyrod Taylor. No, I think that's. I think it's an, it's very possible that he starts more than thirteen games if he stays healthy and the Chargers are rolling. Remember, everything that about the Chargers has been improved this year, except for quarterback. Right, the defense has gotten better. The offensive line's been improved. Uh, we'll see about the run game. So. If Tarad comes in there and he's seventy percent of what Philip Rivers was last year, whereas Philip Rivers wasn't as great as he usually is last year, 
they're not going to bench him. They're not going to say, thanks for helping us win nine games. We're going to move to the kid now. They're going to ride him until they, they, my sentence is over. They're going to ride him. Okay. Uh, Dave, start a new sentence. Give me your first. If blank happens, then blank. Let's keep up the quarterback theme. If Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Tyler Higby do what we think they're going to do, then we're all going to look silly having Jared Goff rank so low. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm starting to think that Goff is going to be one of these amazing bargains on draft day where people just they we're we're chasing after running quarterbacks and and veteran quarterbacks who've been doing it for a long time for very good reason. But if Goff is surrounded by all this talent and if the run game really doesn't pick up, and do you really think that there's going to be a running back on the scene that scores 14 touchdowns? I don't think so. I, I think Jared Goff might be one of those quarterbacks that we should be targeting late. Yeah, he had he had four awful games last year uh, against. And who were they against? Right, Baltimore, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And in those four games, he combined for twelve fantasy points. So four games, he averaged three points per game. If you throw out those four games, he was around twenty three points per game for the season. And there's an Azer stat for you. So you throw out the four worst games that he had. He had twenty three points for the season. The second time he faced San Francisco, he scored twenty three fantasy points. So. I would say uh, what Dave says, 100% accurate. There, there's like two schools of thought. And, and in our fantasy football magazine that comes out um, in August, uh, Ben Gretsch wrote about this. And he's talked about this a lot. And I think it's 100% accurate. Is the two things you look for when you're taking a number two quarterback is high volume passing or rushing. And so Roethlisberger and Goff, for me, are the two guys that are going to throw a lot. If you want to put staff in that category, if he's going to go past the number one guys, then throw him in there too. Uh, otherwise, you're looking for rushing. So, yeah, Goff is going to have a, a, a great season if he's just better than what he showed last year. And Dave wasn't on the show um, last week when Ben had his trivia question, I think it was, or, or you did, Adam, um, about the the only – or who who allowed the fewest sacks, right? Me, yeah. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was the Rams. Mm-hmm. So, shocking considering Ooh. how bad the offensive line was last year that Goff wasn't sacked as much. Um, but – you know, speaking of COVID, Whitworth had it already. You know, thankfully he's okay. His entire family had it. You know, their left tackle. Center so, did too. I'm sorry? Their center, Brian Allen. Okay, the so there you go. Two, two members. And, you know, we don't know the the full scope of if it's going to come back or not. But, you know, as as I think we, we understand now, it may not. So that could be good. That You mean they're the getting situation. it again? Not that, not that the virus will come back. Not like we're you know we're gonna have a second wave. You mean like can players get it again? Is what you're saying? If players can get it again, right. you know, they've been told they they've they been can. told that they can, according to a report. Right. But it, but we've heard the experts say you know you should have some immunity to it. So I get what you're saying. Yes. But I guess what I'm getting at is you know hopefully the offense line's healthy. Yes. And if this is the same group, you know they they did a good job in terms of pass protection. So you know Goff with his weapons could be really good. It's a good call. Um, yeah, I go ahead. I struggle with Goff and the Rams and the number of pass attempts just because, and we've talked about this in regards to Tyler Higby and, and target share, the way that Sean McVay changes his offense from a year to year or week to week basis. They threw 518 passes in 2017. They threw 631 last year. Um, What's the I big difference? Pretty, pretty close to league average. What's the big difference, though? They had a great running back in 2007. They had the best running back in football. He had a much bigger workload, uh, didn't he? I mean, he had like 220-ish carries or something last year. I mean, he was... Well, he had a much bigger workload because, yeah, they they ran the ball or they threw the ball a lot more last year. And their offensive line was awesome then. But they were also really good in um, 2017. And here's where they've been in scoring defense in the last three... the Super Bowl in 2018. 
2018, yeah. But here's where they've been in scoring defense the last three years. 12th, 20th, and 17th. So they haven't really had a great scoring defense, which might influence how many times they throw the ball. Uh, but yeah, they threw the ball a ton last year, and he had a 3.4% touchdown rate or something like that. And if he had had his normal touchdown rate of 5.7%, uh, he would have thrown 35.6 touchdown passes, been the number four quarterback basically tied with Deshaun Watson and six point per passing touchdown leagues. It's Jared Goff. There are so many quarterbacks you should wait on. We've, we've already talked about like five. Let's do round two. You ready? Yep. If blank happens, then blank Heath, you're up. If Adam Gase gets fired before week five, Le'Veon Bell will be a top 12 running back. <laughs> We laugh at people getting fired. I don't want him to get fired. I'm not, but he's like his contract's guaranteed. He's he's made lots and lots of money. I'm yeah, not, right. I, I don't. I'm not hoping he gets fired. But they start off at Buffalo, 49ers at home at the Colts. They're 0 three. They have Denver coming week four. They get beat by the Broncos at home and start 0 four, and uh, it might be the end of the Adam Gase tenure. I mean, it's going to happen at the end of the year anyway. So I do think if they don't give the ball to Frank Gore 12 times a game and Le'Veon Bell gets a heavy workload, then he's going to regress in the efficiency and he's going to have a much better season. So who takes over as the interim coach if he gets fired? Got to be Greg Williams if that thing, has if they to make be. that call. Right. So now it's going to be Dowell Loggins calling the plays for the Jets. It's the same playbook and basically the same philosophies um, as Adam Gase would have. But I think Heath's point would be is that Gase will screw with Le'Veon Bell, maybe, whereas the other coaches won't. You know what might help if Gase gets fired? Trading Le'Veon Bell before the deadline. If he that does would, get fired, that would be one doesn't. It, well, either way, if they I was suck, say, but more likely if he doesn't get fired, that they trade. Right, him. but if they suck, it's more likely that Gase gets fired. Rather, I, I, I think it's going to take fired. a lot for a coach to get fired early in the season under the current circumstances that we're dealing with. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I but guess this is the Jets. I mean, they hired him, and it's you know, one year. They had in. a little mini revolt, uh, revolt in the off season, right? Well, Jamal, just Jamal Adams, right? Yeah, that's not Trade so Bell and Adams. Not so great over there, the Jets land. All right, Le'Veon Bell. Would you say top what? If case top twelve. Okay, Jamie, round two. Uh, if Blake Jarwin gets eighty-five plus targets, he will be a top. Then he will be a top twelve tight end. How many did Witten get last year? 83. Yeah. So it's not out of the question. And it's 190 targets available with uh, Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, and Tavon Austin gone. And so CeeDee Lamb steps in. You expect him to get maybe close to 100 of that. And so, you know, is is there a, another receiver that's going to command a ton of targets, uh, you know, or just the 24 or so that Tavon Austin left, you know, between Cedric Wilson and the rest of the group there? So, you know, Jarwin, I hope he's better than what Witten did. Witten was 63, 529, and 4 on those 83 targets. But you essentially need about 85 targets to be a top 12 tight end. And I think he's going to get there. So uh, I have him ranked as a, as a number 12 tight end right now. I think he's a, in that group of those number two guys that we've talked about with Gasecki and Fant and John Smith and Jay Sternberger and uh, Hawkinson, all these guys that have, you know, the potential to be uh, a number one guy. But there's, I think, a clear path here for Jarwin based on what this offense is and what uh, – what role he's stepping into. Yeah, I, I like this one. I think what people overlook sometimes when they talk about the Cobb and the Witten targets and Lamb and Jarwin chopping those up is Jarwin had 41 of his own last year. 
So it's not like Good he point. has to get 85 more targets than he did last year. He just needs 44 more than he did. Right. Lamb can have the rest. And yep. Dak has averaged 106.5 targets per year just to his tight ends. The lowest number in the last four years, 92 targets. And that was when Witten was in the broadcast booth. So at the floor for tight end targets in Dallas is 92. The good old days. Darwin takes a huge share of that, then we're hitting 85 targets. Jason Witten in the broadcast booth. Uh, All right. Le'Veon Bell, Blake Jarwin, and Dave finish off round two. If his training regimen is as detailed and focused as his trainer suggests, then Ronald Jones will be a league winner this year. Ooh. All right. You got some insight there, right? I talked to his trainer, Luke Neal. He also trains Jamal Williams. And you'll expect a trainer to be overly positive about his guys no matter what. And that was the case with Ronald Jones. But he's up to 225 pounds. I know we're always worried about when a running back gains weight. Luke Neal is also his chef. So he's cooking for for Jones. And he insists that Jones is on a very strict diet and that the difference between good weight and bad weight is in the diet, as, as I could attest to, although I'm not a professional athlete that runs for a 1,000 yards. Uh, he's been working on pass protection every single day. He's been working on his receiving every single day. He's running with great burst. And just one last point on the whole weight game thing. Last year, he trained with Luke Neal. He went from 206 pounds to, I think, 218 pounds, a 13-pound game, and he was still running right in the 4-4 range. And if you go back and watch his film from last year, plenty of examples of him running with explosiveness. So if that keeps up and he gained less weight this offseason, then Ronald Jones is going to have speed on his side. And if the pass protection really plays out for him, then he's going to be on the field a lot for Tampa Bay. Last week, I talked about how I thought it was crazy that Jamie spent a round-five pick on Ronald Jones. I'm thinking there's a chance it might not be so crazy and that if we do catch glimpses of him in training camp, that might be too late to get Ronald Jones this year. So you're saying he's added like 19 pounds, was it? I may have missed the number. Over the last two off seasons, he's gone from 206 to 225. He did not do it in one off season. Yeah, that's still... that's 206 to uh, 218, something like that. Right. And then he went from 218 to 225. So he actually put on less weight this offseason, but he's still as explosive. We have to wait and see like just how things shake out in training camp. But I'm I'm getting a little bit excited about where Ronald Jones is at and what he can actually contribute to Tampa Bay's run game. So he had 172 carries last year, Ronald Jones, and six of them went for 20 or more yards. Whereas Le'Veon Bell had <laughs> Well, how many carries and none of them went for for that many for 20 yards 245 that's a pretty good number by the way six carries of 20 or more yards for for ronald jones that's impressive um okay yeah. any it's funny because i almost had a ronald jones if i was going to say if ronald jones still can't block dario goomba wale might be james white and that's something to worry about <laughs> is that Ogumba Wale could still be in that James White role if Jones doesn't prove it in camp. And that means Jones and Vaughn could split the rest of the work. I would just imagine that Jones would have enough of a grip to begin the season to limit Vaughn to like five to seven touches per game max to begin the year. I, I've moved Vaughn way down in my rankings. Okay. All right, let's uh let's go through some ADP for the players we talked about here. Cam Newton, QB twenty since July first. What's that all about? There are people who don't, just don't want to deal with it because they're worried about the injuries. Okay, they're worried about him not fitting in. Uh, look, the the first thing I thought, because I, I wasn't on the podcast, I was in Chicago when, you, when Cam signed with New England. The first thing I thought is, how can you argue him as a bad late round pick? 
It's just a matter of where does he stack up amongst all the other late round quarterback picks? And do you even want to carry two quarterbacks? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think most people will want to carry two quarterbacks, especially this year. Yeah, right. Exactly. With the whole coronavirus mess. So he's not a bad late round pick. I, I just don't know if I want to invest so much in him, like getting him before round nine. I think that's out. I think that's ludicrous. If it's the double digit rounds, who can fight you on it? He's got that kind of upside. And if you're wrong, whoopsie daisy, you cut him and you go to the waiver wire and you pick up a Drew Locke or a Ryan Tannehill or whoever's there. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is QB 30 right now going after Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, Dwayne Haskins. And Jared Goff is QB 17. It goes Roethlisberger, Goff, Burrow, Tannehill, Cam. And then let's see the other players we talked about. Le'Veon Bell. Third round pick, the end of the third round, 36th overall, in between James Conner and uh, David Johnson. It would be the next running back off the board. How about that? James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. like running back 24 or something? I'm not 100% positive because I don't have it with just running backs, but I can. Conner's going to move up. Le'Veon Bell is running back 20. I like it. Ronald Jones is RB32. Damian Williams, J.K. Dobbins, Ronald Jones, James White. I had a decision in the, I think I talked about this in the fishbowl of Damian Williams and, and Ronald Jones. I took Jones because I think there's more upside for him to be the lead guy in, in Tampa, as we talked about, than Damian holding on to the job for the full season. But it's it's something that I struggled with and hopefully I don't regret. And how about this run of tight ends here? 15 through 19. TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Jonu Smith, Jack Doyle, Blake Jarwin. Hawkinson, Fant, Jonu Smith, Jack Doyle, Blake Jarwin. Who's your favorite there? Jarwin. Jonu. I think I have Jonu ranked the highest of them all. I might have Fant actually ranked the highest of them all, but it could be just for early season schedule. Well, thank you, guys. Good stuff. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, tweets. Facebook comments and emails. If blank happens, then blank. If you stick around after the commercial break, then you will hear great content. We'll be right back. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. 
And we're back. All right, here we go. Tweets. If blank happens, then blank. From Minute. If A.J. Green is healthy, then Joe Burrow will throw for 4,000-plus yards, second to luck in rookie passing yard history. Yeah. Yep. Seems. I, I would say if Joe Burrow plays six. Value pick now. He's going around six. I mean, that's not bad for the fact that he's now committing himself to four more years to play. A.J. Green? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, Heath? I think I have, like, I would say if Joe Burrow plays 16 games, he'll throw for 4,000 yards. If Josh Jacobs from Josh F, if Josh Jacobs gets 40 catches, he will be worth a first round pick in PPR. Agreed. Yep. Yeah, I think that's. I don't even know if it needs that much. Yeah, so that sounds good. I mean, 40, 40 well, would be nice. Yeah, he'd be a top 10 fantasy running back in PPR. Is that basically what we're saying? I think that's pretty logical. From Mad. Should just wear my glasses. I can't ever read anything. Mad ism. If oh, I play fantasy, if I play fantasy, I'll have a winning record and still miss the playoffs. Hmm, that's not good. No, I don't agree. If you have a winning record, you're going to make the playoffs. Think positively, Mad ism. Sorry, I messed your name up. Craig Stell. If Kareem Hunt plays more than ten weeks, Nick Chubb will not be a top fifteen running back this season. Wrong. Yeah. PPR. That's I don't it. care what the format is. I don't think that that's right. Just if Kareem Hunt plays. Yeah. Because what if he just gets the same light workload he had last year? He was getting right around 10 touches per game. But what was uh, Chubb during the eight weeks that Hunt played? I think he was 16th, seven, 16th or 17th, yeah, in right. PPR. So yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. I don't I think Chubb will be just fine if Hunt's not getting a lot of work. I think this team's going to run more this year and yeah, I, I only getting a minimum would, workload, then Chubb's going to get the rest. I think that would be the floor is 16. So he's still somebody you're drafting in round two in PPR, but I think it hurts him, as we saw. All right, this is from Donnie's take. If Drew Brees gets hurt, Jameis Winston is a top three fantasy option. Ooh. As long as Taysom Hill doesn't get in the way. <laughs> I think it's a... I mean, first of all, it makes Michael Thomas even safer and having the, you know, one of the best backups, but... Uh, and I would say Jared Cook, whatever. But uh, is it worth if you draft Drew Brees? Like, is it worth just taking Jameis Winston? Is it your last pick? Not in one of our standard leagues where you only have five bench spots. Right. This is another special COVID year type of thing that commissioners have to consider. And I'll bang the drum for this all day. You should have extra roster spots in your league. Go deeper in your drafts. But that doesn't that make if the waiver wire that yes, much harder if somebody right. gets it? Maybe, but it's at, at the very least, it'll give all the managers in your league the opportunity to safely handcuff players if they so choose so that they can't complain on Sunday morning. Ah, I don't have a quarterback because my guy is not available to play. Well, give them at least the opportunity to go and do it. And, and if you're worried about the waiver wire being light, then enforce one of those roster spots to be the backup quarterback, where if you draft Drew Brees, you automatically have Jameis on your roster for however long you have Drew Brees. I, I am leaning more and more, and this is not this is off subject, but I'm leaning more and more towards not expanding rosters, um, giving COVID IR spots, and allowing people to make first-come, first-serve waiver ads after Fab runs. I think that's a smart way to do it. I'll, I'll just go back to something I said about the quarterback position. I think it's easy to just say, if the starter goes out unexpectedly, Sunday morning, Saturday night, whatever the case may be, they test positive, mm-hmm. you can use the TQB for that week. The only thing is, does that mean that someone can't roster Tua or Herbert? No, no, no. 
if they're available. Like if, okay. you have, if, okay. if you have two quarterbacks on your roster, you're fine. But like, if okay. you know, I don't want to force somebody that has to in five bench spots that they don't want to carry two quarterbacks. Don't carry two quarterbacks. That's why you give more bench spots so that they can carry more. Well, I mean, again, in our free leagues, you can't do that. Okay. Uh, from Grant Hansel, if Andre Dillard, that's the offensive tackle for the Eagles, lives up to his potential, Carson Wentz could be the NFL MVP and a top three fantasy quarterback. And I, I put this one in there because we've had this idea in our mind for a few years. The Eagles have a great offensive line. Well, now they have a new left tackle, and their old left tackle is going to play left or right guard on a Brandon Brooks right guard, right, right guard. So, and he's like a really old player. You know, they they might not have such a great offensive line. So, I think that this is an important one to look at here. If Andre Dillard lives up to his potential, Carson Wentz could be the NFL MVP and a top three fantasy quarterback. You know, does I mean, he? That's what he was in 2017. He, he was a top three quarterback on a per game basis, and he was an MVP candidate before he tore his ACL. Yeah, so, but do they need Andre Dillard to live up to his potential? I mean, it certainly would help. <laughs> you know, it would help if Jason Peters can be a suitable right guard. It would help if uh, the receiving core is healthy, the tight ends continue to produce, and the running backs are great out of the backfield. I mean, it's all going to have to come together on, at a very high level, but um, I don't know what the odds are for him to win MVP, but it's probably uh, not a bad you know, bet given what, you know, the 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 upside if it hits, but you know, I don't think anybody's going to you know vote for him over Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or the guys that are there. But from a fantasy perspective, I mean, he's he's got top 10 upside, if not higher, if everything comes together. You know, what, what he was able to accomplish last year was was pretty remarkable, you know, with his receiving core just completely falling apart. And he was still a serviceable fantasy quarterback down the stretch. His upside was capped. But that's the hope is that Rager's good. Jackson's back. Jeffrey may be back in some capacity and it all comes together for him. So he's a. Uh, He's he's a very good fantasy value for sure. Okay, similar line of thinking here from Brad Stokely. If the Browns' offensive line plays well, Baker Mayfield is an MVP candidate, and the Browns win at least one playoff game. They're not going to throw enough for that. Yeah, that's my biggest concern. I think he'll be very efficient, but I don't see him putting Man, up monster You numbers. guys are taking all of your assumptions from what Kevin Stefanski did with the Vikings under a mandate to run the ball more from a coach who loves to man the, run the ball more. What they traded for a fullback as soon as he took the job. And then what would you do? What would you do, Adam, if you had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? What would you do team? if you had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and the former number one overall pick at quarterback? Well, you, you had all that is, last year. You, and did you make the playoffs? No. Okay, they ran the ball a lot last year. Line? I mean, I, I, Adam, I see your point, but it's not like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are bad receivers, and you know, Irv Smith and Kyle and Kyle it, Rudolph are bad. It worked end. for the Vikings. They had the seventh best scoring defense in football. I think the Browns were nineteenth or twentieth. I do think the Browns' defense oh, is it's, sneaky. It's, it's could be a lot better this year, but I don't know not, that they're going to be a top seven defense. It's not identical, but I think the the formula and you know. The NFL copycat league, you know, however you want to frame it, there aren't very many Mahomes, but there are a lot of teams that can run the ball. And, you know, Baltimore, how they did it was different, but San Francisco was the best rushing team last year aside from that. And teams like to copy that. Green Bay was very successful running the ball last year. So uh, to Dave's point, you have two great running backs. They invest in their offensive line with two pretty big pieces with Wirfs and, and, uh, and Conklin. And so, you know, now you have, you know, better protection up front. I think Baker's going to have a, a, a big bounce back season because he was very accurate in college and this offense is going to have a lot of quick throws in it. So his completion percentage should come up. 
if he's going to be an MVP candidate, he's got to be 40 plus touchdowns. I don't know if that's realistic in this offense. And so that's the problem because he's not throwing for 5,000 yards. He's not throwing for 4,500 plus. No, I so don't if think he's 4,040. No. Um, maybe, but that's a that that's a huge leap. No, so, I'm, I'm, I wasn't arguing. He, he's not going to win MVP. I'm just saying, like, this. And, I'm just I just not sure that that they're going to be quite as run heavy as. Oh, they're not. But like they threw 466 passes last year. League median was 575. Um, like I've got Minnesota did or Cleveland. Uh, Minnesota. Right. Yeah. And Cleveland even was pretty slow and more run heavy than you would anticipate for a team that was that bad. I've got them at 530 pass attempts. Um, that's not enough to win MVP unless you're just no Patrick Holmes. Unless your receivers catch like double digit touchdowns, then they might be in the MVP conversation. All right. A couple more here on Twitter from Chad. If Josh Allen's accuracy improves, then the Bills will be Super Bowl champs. He said if Josh Allen's accuracy improves. <laughs> hey, it improved last year. It went up like five percentage points. And Cam yeah, Newton okay, Cam okay. Newton had a year with, with Norv Turner just, what, 2017? He had his best accurate, I think you know it was why? his most Because he year. was dinking and dunking a lot more. He was, he was. And maybe that's what Josh Allen needs to do. Maybe they just need to say, hey, dude, stop chucking it long. And then his, his, his accuracy would absolutely improve if he's just throwing it inside of 15 yards all the time. They could win the Super Bowl if Josh Allen becomes a great player. Defense is great. Patrick Mahomes? No, Defense he doesn't great. have to be Patrick Mahomes to win the Super Bowl. I mean, Mahomes got hurt last year. He got hurt and missed more than just three games. You know, so it could happen. I mean, I, I think if Buffalo wins a division, we've seen the Patriots path to the playoffs. It's, you know, win, get a bye, and, and you know, got to win one game. Yeah, I, th- I think if Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson get hurt and Cam Newton's not himself, then the Bills have a good chance of going to the Super Bowl. And according to Sports Info Solutions <laughs> on passes inside of 15 air yards, Josh Allen completed, it was on target, not completed, on target on 77% of them. That was 29th best among quarterbacks with at least 150 such attempts. The Bills have got to be feeling like this is their best team since Jim Kelly. Yes. Okay, like they are good. They are legitimately really good. They could go to the Super Bowl. Okay, last last they, tweet. They ride or die with Josh Allen. From sure. Steve. If you only include games played on the third Sunday of November in the rain in cities west of Chicago on primetime and don't include the second quarter, then hashtag Azer stats. Thank you, Steve. That is a good one. All right, let's go to Facebook. Thomas Boyd, if Will Fuller plays 16 games, then he will be a top 15 wide receiver. I'm nodding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't enthusiastic, Keith. No, I'm not as enthusiastic. Boy, are you enthusiastic. All right, it's from Seth Dietior. If Ben Roethlisberger stays healthy, then Juju is a top seven wide receiver. True. Yes. Come on, Dave. <laughs> nope. Can't say it. I think Juju's if you amend it to top twelve, I'll 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 go with it. I think he's my favorite player in fantasy this year. Like value. I just I mean if I he's still going around four, that's ridiculous. Yeah. He's my Carlos Correa. I don't know. In non PPR, I don't know if that's necessarily That's ludicrous. ludicrous. I don't in non PPR? PPR it's ludicrous. PPR it's ludicrous. Right, non PPR, I don't think it is. Since July first, I'm gonna well, hold on, I'll get his ADP up. Let's see. Oh, also, I keep, I meant to look up the Will Fuller stat. I always do this. I'll say, oh, I'll get to it. I never do. All right, this is from Charlie Herman. 
If one of Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly emerges as the undisputed number two behind Eckler, then that guy is a solid flex and a top 30 running back. True. Josh Kelly, yes, all day. Yeah, I'm thinking it's Kelly. Juju is currently around four pick, but he's only wide receiver 14, so that probably means he's around three pick in a lot of drafts. Wide receiver 14 for Juju. Ah, oh, right, from Chris Drotty. If Leonard Fournette plays 16 games, he'll be a top seven running back. Which team is he on? Probably true. No, I don't think that's true. Because if he stays in Jacksonville and plays 16 games, I don't think there's any way he comes near. Sell, sell, sell. Okay. He, From, was, was, he wasn't was a top seven running back last year he with was, like three touchdowns? He was like huge difference in PPR and non-PPR. I think he was like 12th in non and 7th in PPR, right around there. Uh, but, of course, they have Chris Thompson now. But, of course, he won't score three touchdowns on those touches. So, Heath's thinking yes, and the others are thinking no. He was 13th and non, 7th in PPR. From Robert Joseph. If Justin Herbert starts, then Keenan Allen is back to being a wide receiver one. Maybe. No. No. I don't think I don't think Herbert or Terod Taylor can put Keenan Allen back as a wide receiver one. Next from Sean Mosher. If Ryan Tannehill is for real, Johnu Smith is a top five tight end. Not enough targets. Yeah. Amended to top 10, and I think he can be toward the bottom of the top 10. Okay. I'm trying to buy time to look up Will Fuller's start percentage here. From would you like to hear a quick yeah. nugget on Jamal Williams, Thank Adam? I, I, w- I would love to. So the trainer, Luke Neal, who I mentioned with Ronald Jones, is also training Jamal Williams. They're actually working out together every day in Arizona. And Jamal Williams has focused this year on his hands. And apparently he's running routes as good as a receiver. This is one that I feel like I have to see to believe, but he's running routes like like a wide receiver. He's He's not dropping anything. He's really, Jamal Williams is just like dedicating himself to be a better pass catcher. That's been his focus. Mm. They should really trade him. Who's taking him? Oh, I would imagine some team would be looking at a player like him for depth. Why not? As a third running back? Would you rather have Jamal Williams or Dario Gumbawale? Okay. All right. Especially if Williams is is certainly catch passes, but he's in a contract year. And oh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like a sixth, seventh round pick, you know, something. Right, 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 right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe he could be in the mix. Wouldn't Royce Freeman also be in that mix? Couldn't Leonard Fournette? Royce Freeman is absolutely should be in that mix for sure. Yeah, and Fournette too. Not that uh, people might take Freeman or Williams over Fournette is not Fournette in because of the price. Fournette is not in that mix. You don't think so? I think teams no. Fournette's a feature guy. These guys are backups. But uh, if you're trading a sixth or a seventh round pick for any of these, there's dudes, also significant contract differences. You know, Fournette's still playing on high and rookie. That's the one thing. Unless you make Jacksonville eat the money. Okay, so um, I want to take a trip back to memory lane, October sixth, two thousand nineteen, I believe. Yes, uh, Will Fuller was started in forty one percent of leagues. When he had 14 catches, 217 yards, and three touchdowns. Also on that day, Aaron Jones had 19 carries, 107 yards, and four rushing touchdowns, plus seven catches for 75 yards at Dallas. So I'm looking at our notes from that show. Dave and Heath were on with me on Sunday night. 
Heath, you're two winners. Boy, Aaron Jones and Will Fuller were your winners. <laughs> How did you come up with that? Um, should I have chosen players that were worse? Dave chose DJ Chark and Kyler Murray. It would have been great if you guys had that before the game. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that would have been that would be great. How many people well. started Will Fuller the week after, Adam? Let's see. Let's check our notes from October 13th. I will. I will say somebody actually tweeted me that that uh, when when I when I said the you know just stay healthy, Will Fuller. Somebody said I, I started Will Fuller that week, but I got beat because of Aaron Jones. <laughs> oh, interesting. He was started in 83 percent of leagues the next right. week, and he should have had a big game. But he dropped three touchdowns. He had five catches for 44 yards on nine targets at Kansas City. What about the week after that? I want to know just the residual effect of that three-touchdown game. Okay. How, how long do people stick with him? Will Fuller. It's a fun game, isn't it? Uh, oh, he left with a hamstring injury the week after that in the first quarter. He was started in 78% of leagues. Okay. So as soon as you have one of these huge games, people just flock to you. Mm-hmm hoping that it's going to happen every single week. Kind of some evidence that how, it doesn't. How could you take someone out of your lineup when he just had a four-touchdown game? You just can't do it. You know? Well, it's, I think it's even more impressive that he was in 40% of lineups. Yes. Considering how awful he had been for the entire year so far. That was uh, against Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that might have been why. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a good upside He just play. put up three catches for 23 yards against the Panthers. That was the week before. I don't think the Panthers yeah. were so bad against wide receivers. Adam. Uh, oh, you want that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Let the me read the before is big game. Let me read the last. Um, let me read the last one here. Uh, two more from John Griffin. If Chase Edmonds stays healthy, he'll take the job from Kenyon Drake. Oh, doubtful. I I doubt it too. But I think Wait, is Drake hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really say. <laughs> right. Uh, I do think Edmonds could take some passing work. Like he, like he was used more as a receiver and a slot receiver than Drake was. He could take some of the passing work from Drake. That sure. could be interesting, but that's not how they operated last year. There was only one game where the backup running backs combined for more than six touches in Arizona. But I do think that Edmonds, I, I'm not convinced that Edmonds isn't the better talent than Kenyon Drake. Mm. I'm just not sure if take. he's going to get an opportunity so long as Drake is healthy. But I love the idea. If you're going to draft Drake in round one, round two, get Chase Edmonds. Put him on your bench. And Heath will tell you, get Chase Edmonds, even if you don't have Drake. All right, Will Fuller in week four against Carolina. He was coming off of five catches for 51 yards the week before. Uh, He was started in 22% of leagues. Right. And he had a bad game. People adjusted to the matchup. But yeah, right. So then he gets the Falcons. 39 fantasy points in non-PPR, 53 in PPR. He started in 41% of leagues. The next week, he started in 80% of leagues, something like that. He has five catches for 44 yards. The next week, he started in 78% of leagues, and he leaves with a hamstring injury in the first quarter, and he misses the next three games. Yep, that's a microcosm of Will Fuller right there. I don't necessarily agree. I do think he was a little more consistent in 2018. Um. And I think he and, and he dropped those touchdowns against the Chiefs. People would have been rewarded if he had just caught those touchdowns. Yeah. Also, he's, healthy, he's in a contract year. The opportunity is there to be the number one guy. I mean, he's he's going to be a great value. Yeah, this in 2018, is... he had 15 or more PPR points in three of seven games. Ten or more non in four of seven games. That's his. He had, but he had 14 or more non. He had 14 or more PPR points in four of seven games, and that's okay. pretty good. Sure. And and not just that, he had. 
three enormous games with over 100 yards and a touchdown out of eight games. So he had four, he had four good games. He had one game that was solid, and he had two stinkers. Yeah, that was a really good year for him. So that's I, that's when I started to really like Fuller. Just Actually, no, I like him going to there. Stay healthy. Yeah. Okay, last one. We'll end the show. Uh, from Dan, if Adam Gase is fired in October, then Le'Veon Bell has top ten up top ten upside in games played in November and December, but only at home if there are no fans seated in odd number rows. Hashtag Azer stats. All right, I like it. It's taken off. Terrible, terrible stats. Terrible stats. Those are Azer stats now. Also, if you've ever seen the movie Little Big League, the announcer there gives great Azer stats. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, Little Big League fans. Baseball's back this week. Get excited. We'll talk to you on Tuesday with the All Upside team versus the All Down or the All Floor team. We'll figure it out. We'll talk to you then. Go in your league. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.